this podcast, Strange, Rare, and Peculiar, is for kind of those in the know about homeopathy, deepening your knowledge, bringing you more information about what you need to know, and maybe what you can leave aside about homeopathy. Homeo what? Homeo what? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Good, upside down. You swallowed a fly today. It's one of the funniest things I have seen in a long time. It's not the first time that's happened, you know. Actually, it wasn't a fly. It was some sort of insect, though, wasn't it? It was some sort of New Zealand insect. (laughs) New Zealand insect. It got me. Yeah. I ate it. Yeah. I didn't mean to. (laughs) And then I I was coughing up a lung. And of course, it was while we were on a hike, and there were lots of people coming by while I'm just gagging. Everybody's looking at me like I'm yeah. typhoid Denise. The t- the timing was amazing um, because it was we were watching uh, two fantails, um, male and female fantails, feeding their babies. Yeah, which are they're birds. In case you don't know this, but yeah, low in a in a tree. Fantails are a native New Zealand bird. Beautiful bird, very small, flighty, and flits around. And uh, yeah, a uh, an, an amazing nest that was quite low to the ground. It was, and I mean, and the and the name fantail really speaks to what they you know what they look like. Um, what the tail actually fans out, and it's it's just so beautiful. And the nest, it was it was it was hard to see what the te- the texture of it looked like a wasp nest to me. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. It was hard. It seemed hard. Like it, did. it, it was a case yeah, or something. Yeah. Lots of spit went into that one. I'm telling you. Meantime, I, I guess you've probably gathered by now, we are not in our usual Philadelphia, but we are on the other side of the planet. And you can tell, one of the reasons you can tell is because the door is open and the sounds of those funny birds that always assist me in winning at Scrabble. Um, you cheat. No, I don't. I never cheat. It's how it's not my fault if there's a bird called a tui or a kaka. Or a <laughs> I love that it's there's a caca. <laughs> of course yeah. I do. And then there's the fish. Yeah, and then the fish. So the monkey Alistair, and the pokey and the hokey. <laughs> so Alistair will always use you know these these really obscure Kiwi words to get around it in Scrabble, which I have to say, even though I I say you cheat, I think it's pretty genius. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm. Anyway, um, caca uh, the bird is with a K. Yeah, caca. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a big parrot. Mm. Yeah, what's the rare. um? Mm. What's the one that um? There's a Kia as well. Yeah, Not a car, but a Kia. What's the one that's K-E-A. sort of heavy set and and on the ground and gets run over a lot? The Wecker. Is that it? Wecker. W e k a. Yeah, the Wecker. Yeah. The, the, well, no, no, no. The ones you're talking about. That's that's not for Scrabble. It's a Pukeko. That's it. A Pukeko. Yeah, they they make quite a mess. There's a big flourish of of feathers when you hit one of those at high speed, especially on the west coast. Oh my goodness! Yeah. I think we've seen them here. Oh, so where we are, we're not just in New Zealand. We're in a place in New Zealand. We are. Um, on Waiheke Island, which is off the coast of Auckland, which if you're not familiar with New Zealand, um, it is uh, the biggest city on the North Island mm-hmm. of New Zealand. And um, this uh, place, Waiheke Island, is a 40-minute ferry ride from the mainland, from, from the city. And it's just a magical place. It really is. So we thought we'd talk about travel. 
Well, that would make sense because we, um, uh, you know, I suppose I remember we did a podcast where we talked quite personally about a bunch of things like, you know, you know, growing up on the other side of the world and how far I was and, you know, how often I was traveling and, you know, we were both talking about our experiences. And so I've been very used to, you know, basically putting my head down, taking a big, big lung full of air at home and then going to the airport and then flying mm. and, you know, just, and, and that 24 hours is gone. Yeah. You know, you lose 24 hours one way and you make it up going the other way. And what did I say the other day? I had sort of numerology around how we were coming out ahead. Oh, you did because we missed the second, but we gained the 15th. Right. We missed the second of December. It didn't exist because we got on the plane on the first and we landed <laughs> on the, the third. third. So we lost the second, but when we come back, we get to do the 15th twice. So we're really like 13 points ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 30 maybe. It depends on how you do your numbers. Right. right exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, homeopathy and travel, there's so much to talk about. I mean, I, we, we were thinking about as a topic homeopathy around the world, but then we got into, as we were setting up the... Um, the equipment, which is basically <laughs> not our usual equipment. It's a laptop on top of two books on top of two pillows. I, I don't think you should share and divulge our secret technology solutions. Right, our, the secret high-tech secret mm. solutions. But, but then we were thinking about, as we were just chatting, there are so many things about homeopathy and travel that are just kind of, I don't know, so interesting to talk about. And, and where I wanted to start, which is not where we had planned to start, and you haven't yet stated agreement out loud, so now here I am doing it. Here we go. Here we go. But the first thing I was thinking about is how, when we look at homeopathy from a big picture standpoint, wait, and the, the background noise, in addition to the birds and the breeze, is Alistair having a cup of Earl Grey tea, hmm. which is probably louder than the birds. <laughs> I'm not sure how much we can hear. Anyway, but what one of the things when we talk about sort of healing and homeopathy as a part of that process, there's a way in which we just become more of ourselves. And, you know, people say when they're not well, they say, I'm, I'm not myself. Mm. I haven't, I haven't been myself lately. I'm right? behind myself. Uh, or yeah, no. or I'm behind myself or I'm, I'm, I just can't get where I need to be. I'm you know, not quite or, right. Yeah. And I'm off. And this, and there's something about the process of working with homeopathy that's about, you know, sort of this reflective process, but also pushing our edges and, 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 you know, kind of moving into a higher place of health. But sometimes the places we haven't yet gone to are places that we've been, whether it's too afraid to look at or whether it's just that they, we, it's something outside of our comfort zone sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we, we sort of become smaller in our in our ways of being, we, you know, when you stay in your home environment, I think for a lot of us, the pandemic really pointed this out. I mean, I went about three years without shoes. <laughs> no, but there's a way <laughs> that's not really true. I actually wear fancy shoes in the house. I'm a shoe gal. Uh -huh. But there's a way, though, that um, when we aren't well, we are smaller and smaller versions of ourselves. Would you agree with that? That's really interesting. I've not thought of it um, in that way before. Um, but, uh, see, I've not been well this week. As you can probably tell, I've got a bit of squeak in my I voice. Say squeak, I would say it's a little alarm bacall. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but, you know, my body um, has dealt with it really well. Mm. Um, shall I mention it? Because I've just felt off or smaller than myself. Um, I got a, a tickle in my throat, mm -hmm. like a, a scratch in my throat last Sunday. Mm -hmm. Actually, today's 
It's six days today. But you didn't tell me for a whole day. No, I didn't because, you know. Because then I get whatever symptom. Yeah, well, there's something else. But And, and then so I prescribed and I thought, all right, time for aconite. Mm-hmm. And I took aconite and a couple of doses and immediately pushed through to the next phase. Mm-hmm. And then I knew, oh, well, this isn't COVID. <laughs> Which, of course, was the fear with, right. you know, a trip plan. And, um, and, and, uh, and then I started to do my normal acute. And so my normal acute, it takes six days. Yeah. Um, and if I'm without a secondary infection and with um, some assistance. Mm-hmm. And then I took bronia um, as it went through to the phase of um, uh, really sore throat. And then um, and then I came out of it. Then I felt well within myself, right. even though I had symptoms. And then my voice broke like when I was 13. <laughs> and... Uh, and that was, and that, and then that was kind of annoying because I was teaching and squeaking, and uh, and. <laughs> but, doing like, but this idea of being smaller, I mean, I guess in an acute, you do less things. You stay, you know, because your body doesn't let you because it's conserving its energy. Yeah. In order to get well. Mm. So. Is that what you mean? Yeah, mm. but I think when we when when we talk about this from a chronic perspective, we limit ourselves. Our worlds get smaller because we can't. We don't have the adaptive capacity for unexpected things right when people people kind of hunker down in their chronic state and you know you sort of and and again I bring up COVID because even though there was so much about what we were not able to do or at least in some parts of the country other parts of the country didn't you know we all didn't have the same experience but but in doing so you start to see what are the things that I really need in order for my life to be okay. So for some people, they need to get out of their house every day and do things. Some people need to have a certain amount of physical activity or, you know, need to have time away from family. Or some people, their chronic state is they get, you know, it gets smaller and being in their home, then they have all their creature comforts and then it becomes harder to go back out into the world again. I mean, not to be crass about this, but you think about how many people sort of, if, you, if you're if you used to going out, I mean, I'm thinking of this as a person who spent many of their working years in New York City, you, you leave your house and you get on a subway and you go to work and you have, you know, generally it's an hour no matter where you go, mm. right? And, and I guess it's the same if people are in a car going somewhere, but you don't go to the bathroom. And again, I don't mean to be crass, but, you know, during COVID, we're all working at home and you're, you know, three paces from, you know, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. And, right. And so then our bodies, our, our way of being just changes. Anyway, the, what I was... Yeah, where are you going with this? Well, where I was going is that travel is a way that you, you have to leave your comfort zone. Yeah, you do. In so many ways. And you have to confront lots and lots of different things that if you're just kind of hanging around doing your own routine. I, I really like where you're going now. I totally get it. Unless you pay a lot of money. If you pay a lot of money, then you can maintain your creature comforts. For and, the most part, but even still, yeah. mm. right? So uh, if I use our example, we went from um, Philadelphia mm. to my favorite parking place by JFK. Mm-hmm which is a great travel story about trust in the universe. Charles. Charles, um, which we can talk about later if it makes sense. But um, And it takes about anywhere from mm, and just under two hours to five hours to get to JFK. Because for us, we have to go through, you know, the me- two metropolitan, well, two metropolitan areas and the New Jersey Turnpike. So there's, there's a lot of play there and yeah. you don't want to miss a flight. So, of course, we left early, which meant, 
the fact that we got through everything with seamlessly meant we arrived really early and we had to, no matter, you know, if we were gazillionaires, well, there were gazillionaires on our flight, they had to wait with us, the people that arrived early, because mm. you couldn't do anything. Mm-mm-mm. And you just had to be there. And you could see the people who were impatient, yeah. right? There was the guy who was standing up at the counter when they hadn't even set up the little, you know, the little corralling units, right? So you've got to sort of be patient and you have to manage your temperature, right? So we were going from one climate to another. And so, you know, no matter how many layers of clothing you have, you take them off, you're still hot standing there and you're, you know, and then you've got to, so you have to be adaptive. And then, you know, you, you might have trouble with, you know, the ticketing and then you have to not lose your temper. And then you go through that, that big snake of a line to go through TSA pre-check. And, you know, no matter where you're coming from or who you are, Air New Zealand apparently didn't allow TSA pre-check. <laughs> right? And if you and if you're a non you know, depending on what your passport, you know, or what your residency status is, you might not be able to do it. So you have to stand on that line. That line mm. took us oh an hour. Mm. Hot. Right? So you get where I'm going? Like before you even get on the airplane, there's all these ways in which travel stresses stretches you and people, you know, you hear the stories about people who are losing it on airplanes mm. now. Right? And it's like travel makes you well, it, it, it's so interesting you say that because when I've thought about tra- – look, there's different reasons that people travel. Like there's a whole lot of backpackers around here, right? People yeah, are I going, it. I want to explore myself, right? Do you think people actually say that or they just say, I want to explore the world, but exploring yourself comes as a secondary consequence that some people aren't ready for? Yeah, I mean, I think they're the same thing, but either way. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you they might not say that. You a high degree of consciousness. No, nah, well, thank you. I'm like uh, sitting with the Buddha over here. Yeah, right. <laughs> But um, no, because when I took off as a youngster, I wasn't going, I want to explore myself. So you're right. I want to go to Paris or I want to go to yeah. Amsterdam and I want to ride a motorbike. So, But there's that kind of travel. And that's very, very different travel from I've got to go to work. Right. And, you know, that could be I've got to fly to work or I've got to get in my car and drive to work. And then there's the travel around duty um, or, you know, the, I'm, I, we're now going to visit my parents. Mm-hmm. We're now going to visit my family and we're going to drive eight hours, you know, right. Tennessee or, I don't know, Florida, something. And so the, the different reasons for traveling, I think, um, uh, it's, so the impatience that you were just talking about, I think it hits, it, there's, there's kind of less of it if you're exploring yourself, right? Because mm. you, if you've got a backpack and the, there's no ferry, then what are you going to do? You know, you start talking to somebody, play some cards or, you know, pull out a packet of camel cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're going to work, it matters. Yeah. Totally. And the, and the plane is late, or at least there's, you know, that TSA pre-check or whatever. You've got to manage yourself. And I, I, I don't know where you're going with this, but are you going, you know, managing yourself is the art of travel. It's not about taking remedies. Is that where you're going with this? Oh, that's so interesting. It, well, yes and no, but I like I like the way that you're saying it because I, you know, it's funny when you know if you're a homeopath and you're traveling, people ask you these questions like, "Well, what remedy do you take when you fly?" Well, what a ridiculous question. <laughs> well, I don't say that to people. Well, <laughs> no, but no, no, no. It's actually uh, I take it back. No, but it's but but there is an expectation that you take a pill for something. Right, in homeopathy. And, and actually, it's more about preparation in, in yourself. Right, there you go. That's exactly it. 
And so for me, I mean, if I'm ill on a flight yeah. or if I have symptoms that are deviation from normal, right. then, uh, you know, I might, I might think about a remedy in a, in, a, in, a, in a travel situation. Can I tell my dirty little secret? I'm just going to put it out there. Your pirate story? Pirate? No. <laughs> no. What? what I take, what I do take when I fly or oh, get you on have a to. boat. Oh, you can talk, talk about that. Oh, it's really interesting because people are, you know, people who know me as a homeopath as opposed to, you know, my friends. Uh, You're building are, up to bigger than it actually is. Well, I don't, I mean, I don't know because sometimes <laughs> people think, I know now I'm making it sound like it's a big deal, but I take a quarter of a Dramamine. So, or boning, they call it in, in Europe, right? And it's just, it's a motion sickness drug because yeah. I get, I get, I immediately, it happens. And, but I only need a, so maybe I, I microdose. I I've had the same tube for a hundred years. Um, have you ever taken cocculus? Doesn't do it. Tobacco, petroleum. Oh my gosh. So one time, so talking about, you know, homeopaths traveling. So back in, 2000, maybe 2001, mm. uh, a handful of my girlies, homeo girly friends, uh, including Johanna Antar, our supervision coordinator, we <laughs> we all met in New York. and got, Well, I was living in Minnesota at the time, and I met them in New York, and we got on a plane to go study with Misha. And um, I got, so I had traveled ahead of time to meet them, so I had, it was a flight ahead of them, and for whatever reason... Um, I got really sick, not throw up sick, but we were, we were going around Gatwick airport for, I don't know how long. And the flight would go down and then up and then around and we go down and up and around and nothing got me out of it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I felt terrible. And I remember we got on this van and the guy, it, we met up with some other folks who were coming, you know, we all met at the airport and this guy who was a pilot drove the van that we were all in and it was hot. Oh, and it was May Day, and we went to Stonehenge, <laughs> and <laughs> and, I, and that, that was the trip where I had the Miss of Avalon with me. Anyway, and uh. I was so hot, and I had my feet on top of these suitcases, and I was green, and cocul- <laughs> I was literally bright green, and cocculus, tobacco, nothing. You got a van full of homeopaths with great ideas. Yeah, and right. then Misha gave me borax. And um. Downward, downward right, motion. Downward motion. Yeah. Right. Isn't that interesting? That's a very liberal interpretation of downward motion. And guess what? It worked. It worked a treat. But what I have done since then, because yeah. I, I am a car sickness girl from the get-go. Oh. I threw up on my grandmother's head from the back seat when I was like seven or something. Hang on. Can you just say that again slower? Because <laughs> you were laughing through You I, threw up on your grandmother's hair? Head. On her head. I was in the back <laughs> seat with my cousin Colleen. <laughs> And and um, and Colleen's mom was driving, and my grandma Tessie was sitting in front of me, and I was like one of those, so I'm going to be sick, and there it went. That's Beeper the Horn. No, that's not Beeper the Horn. That's okay. my other grandma. Right. Um, but yeah, that was pretty bad. So, wow. so now I just you know, and it's funny because oh my god. So you know, you I mean, obviously you can take remedies prophylactically, sure, but I'll tell you what. You got to be super clear about the symptoms you're going to experience. And, and that's and the thing. That's why I say, what a silly question. And I don't mean it because I didn't mean it to be rude. No. But, you know, when people said it to me last week, it wasn't about traveling. It was about something, uh, something. And, and, I, and I went, just take the case. Wait for the symptoms to emerge. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, 
Like it's it's a leg, it's such a legitimate response. Do you know my worst motion sickness story? Now I almost hate to, I almost hate to talk about them, but I was the first time I ever went to a black tie event as an adult. I was like in my early twenties. It was my boss's wedding on a boat around New York. I got the best dress. I had a cute date. The whole bit. And they got we we get on the boat, and we hadn't even left the harbor. Green. The wow. minute we left, I had to lay up. I missed the whole thing. I laid up on deck. They were giving me bitters and soda. And then the worst part was we're going. <laughs> they, lo- they loved it so much. Yeah. It's had so much time. You know, we're, everybody's having such a great time that we're going for another hour. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I find that my microdosing of Dremamine has been my savior. Right. See, isn't that interesting? Yeah. So, uh, good. So, a couple of examples of homeopaths not using homeopathic remedies in It's weird, in right? Clinical, well, it's not weird at all. It's just that we kind of know ourselves, I think. Um, and obviously, you've got to have those remedies on you if, yeah. if, you, if you know, you're going to be in that situation. And, you know, if you are flying, you don't want to have a massive 200-remedy kit. You need, you need 12 remedies or 24 remedies max, right? I have more than that with us. How many have you got? I should have pulled them out ahead of time, but I have a little pouch with a bunch of remedies in it, and then I have that kit from Mike Dong. You know what I've got? Yeah, you have Bryonia and Aconite. I've got Bryonia and Postilla. Oh, that's, a, that's your and trifecta. Os- and Oslicosinum. Do you? Yeah. And also Nux. Uh-huh. And Wait, so you packed your own remedy kit? No, because I've got my... my uh, but it's a, it's a different kind of first aid kit. Uh, I've got a pen. I've got... And it's in my toiletries, so oh. I've got a pen... I've got. We've been around the world together like forty-seven times. I had no idea that you carry all this well, stuff. You, you, you should have a look at that. I'm going to. It's full of magic. Um, no, but it's What's got my pen? razor, uh-huh. the pen. Oh, like to get a splinter out or something? Yeah, you need a pen. <laughs> of course you do. That's great. I'm yeah. glad to know you have one. Um, uh, I've got. Um, uh, it's gone blank. Um, echinacea, mm-hmm. liquid echinacea, good quality. I find that can be that's actually really saved me a few times when I've been doing big travel. When we, when I thought, of course, because every time you get sick or anyone around me gets sick, I think I have the symptoms, and so I made a concoction of echinacea and golden seal and water. Oh my god! And I, but when it looks like wine, you and I had it. it in a glass, yeah. And I was, and I'm working, and I'm sipping it, and it's disgusting, yeah. of course. And my client was like, "Wow!" I said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> he said. Uh, just having another second right. glass of Pinot Noir. No, it was, it was like uh, looked like white wine. Like white wine. No. Anyway, that's funny. What else is in so, that kit? So, but it's my first. My homeopathy kit has about or oh, less than a third homeopathy in it. Yeah. Because it's got a couple of supplements, men's multi, um, and then it's got toothpaste. Uh-huh. Believe it or not, it's got the little folding kit um, toothbrush thing, mm. and. Um, and and then those remedies mm-hmm. and that, for me that's yeah, I mean I've been caught short before but you know that's never. why I like it but I also always travel with bioplasma brilliant uh-huh. I find that packaging un, unhelpful ah uh, you know what um you know, it's I too, used... excuse me it's too big mm. for the kind of shape and size that I like to right. have all my well, we could easily toiletries decant in. for you yeah right but you know what. What I for, what I used to travel with all the time and I forgot is activated charcoal was always 
You got me onto that. I, I left me cold. I, I, when do you use it? If you eat something bad. Remember, I had it with us in China. <laughs> but we needed a lot more. No, Speaking okay, of so New Zealand, it, here's it. We were in Thailand and we were in China with Mike Dong. Hello, Mike. And Mike Dong has some similimum pharmacy in Wellington. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God, that story. Can we tell that story? He's a great travel companion. But here's homeopaths, three homeopaths, like not just three homeopaths. Three homeopaths and one and of them one, is a pharmacist. And one of them is a pharmacist. <laughs> and we have no remedies with us. And we're in China. Oh, we got the shits real bad. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> can, can, I can't believe you actually just said that. But it's really true. We had, um, it, because we're in this quite peculiar situation. Anyway, the long story short is that. We were teaching in China. We were teaching at this conference with 800. 800 people. It was a birth mm, conference. Yeah. It was all birth professionals. And and uh, and Ingrid got the beer. So she found, because there was no beer. Irene. And it was hot. So Irene. we need a beer. So we were sitting out by this pool. <laughs> and the like five of us who were, I was going to say Westerners, but that's not, that's not technically uh, true, but not China, not the only non- Chinese folks, uh, we all got together and we had this mini keg of beer, which was clearly expired well, we, or was bad or well, whatever. Well, we didn't know that at the time. No. But what, when we did know about it was when four of us... We went out to the Sun and, the Sun and Moon Pagoda Festival. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately just started to, you know, get that feeling. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, Hello. we were really lucky, though, because the three of us didn't get on the boat, and the, the people who got on the boat well, almost it. died. They did. Oh, my God. But anyway. Um, no remedies. Uh, there's something else about traveling in, in uh, when you need a Starbucks. We saw that sign. We ran for it. We ran. Well, oh we didn't God. run. We, we went from bench to bench sitting down. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we're telling this story. If only, this is one that should be on video because it should be acted out. It was really yeah. something. But here's the thing. We, you know, with travel, now of course there are the unexpected delights of international travel, but you can't always just be schlepping around a bunch of remedies either. Oh, no. And look, that's where, I mean, for me, just riffing on that, that's where, you know, your understanding of remedy reaction yeah. and understanding what happens when you give the second best or the third best or the fourth best remedy. Yeah. You can actually get there. You don't get there in a straight line and super quick, but actually you can get by. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, just the, um, uh, what is it? I mean, uh, can, can I say it? The, the obsession with taking a pill yeah. for a something just, I think we're terrible uh, homeopaths that we don't really take a lot of remedies. I don't think we're terrible homeopaths. <laughs> I actually think that we um, we wait for the symptom picture to be clear and yeah. then we act. You know, and if it's not clear, don't go there. You know, because you have no capacity to manage that that um, that drug reaction, okay, that well, remedy he, reaction. So here's a question. No, I totally agree with you. But like, so when I was teaching in London and my friends and colleagues, they were all into jet lag, the jet lag combo. And what that's arnica, cocculus, and yeah, something else. Gelsemium, I think. Uh, it's got gelsemium in it. It's got arnica in it. And cocculus. It's right? got cocculus in it. And it's got a really strange one that I think it might have, I was going to say gelsemium, or ignatia. I think it's got ignatia in it. Really? It's a New Zealand combo. Is it? Yeah, it's a New Zealand product. They've been making it here and flogging it around the world in airports 
for decades and decades. Now, there's a clinical trial that supports its use. Yeah. Yeah, I did some research. Can I tell you about it? Yeah. So what they did, um, whoever this um, company um, representative was, approached the New Zealand ski team and said, when are you travelling next? And they went, we're going to Austria for a bit of skiing. And so (laughs) they uh, did a double-blind trial whereby the New Zealand ski team got on the plane and no one knew who had taken the no jet lag. And then they got off at the other end and went skiing, recovering and skiing. And um, and by a few markers, it's not the world's best piece of research. Right, but, but basically, there was when, the, when it was unblinded, um, there's a, a decent enough, a de- decent statistical um result favoring the 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 product itself that's so interesting. then they did it with a bunch of um in new zealand flight crew really yeah there you go that is so interesting well i my theory is also that sometimes i mean i think preparation really helps but it's also the the airlines so when we're talking about our trip to china oh we were so jet lagged Actually, that was you mean coming back? Well, no, going. So go, yeah. That was very strange, actually. Yeah, you you're right. We didn't sleep for for a day, and nothing helped. I had one time I remember um, years ago coming back on a red eye from California, and trying and getting home like it wasn't like come home in the morning. It was one of those flights you get in at like four in the morning or something, and trying to sleep. And it was one of those arnica moments of the bed's too hard. Mm-hmm. And I was just flopping around like a carp. And then I took a dose of Arnica and it was, you know, snoring. That's the reason that that remedy is in the the, the uh, travel combos. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the bed is too hard. And it works. Mm. It's amazing. Right. But I think sometimes some of the airplanes don't circulate the air as well. Well, yeah, well. Right. And, don't, and don't sort of take care. Like the amenities aren't quite there. Can I tell you a shocker? Yeah. I, I can tell you exactly where the air is worst. It's right at the back in the center. And uh, and I did a flight once. I was, I was teaching in Galway. And I had to go home. And I was getting on a flight to go home. Got to the airport. Thought I'm a bit peckish. So I had a sandwich. And then I flew to Dublin. Little flight. Boop. And then Dublin, London. And midair from Dublin to London, I got started to get the shits. <gasps> and then I got a connecting flight from... London to Dubai and then Dubai, Sydney. And I spent that 36 hours at the... Basically, they looked after me. I was really sick. That's oh. straight-up food poisoning. Wow. And no remedies, you know, and oh. just, just you know, all you can do is muscle on through it. I've oh. had... I mean... That happened you, to you another time. I, um. I, I've, I, it happened to me the first... Well, one of the first times I got upgraded. I spent... Uh, I remember. I, it was Emirates um, business. You were leaving. It was Thanksgiving after a Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, there was another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't like talking about this now. It feels like. Well, no, no, no. It's interesting. I mean, because but I think it gives us actually some street cred <laughs> because we're flying. I mean, a lot oh of miles. Oh my gosh! But I think the one thing I would say, and, and we won't bore you with stories about throwing up on airplanes and stuff, but but. Um, Although I was on a flight when someone died. Well, you, I mean, enough. Do you want to know? No. Okay, so we'll move on. But um, most people actually don't fly for work or, you know, they fly. Yeah. People fly. But most of their travel, most of their 
interaction with travel and life and health is with kids and and doing the shopping or going to work. There was a there was a kid on the plane. I felt so bad for this family. We flew from direct from JFK to Auckland yesterday. So it was a 17, 18 hour flight, something like that. Flight, yeah. And this poor kid just screamed almost the entire way. And and you could see that he had an ear problem. I could see it. They were walking by. They the mom. They were taking turns walking him around our section, and he was doing that thing, opening his mouth, as you know, as just to equalize, trying to equalize. And I remember um, Eric Summerman, um, one of my teachers and then colleagues in Minnesota, though amazing and late Eric Summerman, said the trick is you put a warm washcloth over the ear and then a glass on it, and it equalizes the pressure. And I did that once for Ben, and it was amazing. Mm. He was about two years old and really struggling. Mm-mm-mm. Amazing. But when it comes to car transport or train transport, you know, commuter transport, there's a, a you know, there's just a heap of other challenges, aren't there? There really are. But I, what about I think the bladder? Holding on to that? Can we talk about holding on to bladders? <laughs> if we must. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll get a laugh. <laughs> this down comedy podcast <laughs> about bodily functions. <laughs> Oh but, my God. but you know what? As, as, I just want to loop back around because it's almost time for dinner here. Um, mm. and it's getting on for dinner. It is getting on for dinner. But I, so where we started, which is about the ways in which travel brings us to our edges and asks us to be present in different ways and asks us to be more, um, hmm, what's the word? More flexible. Mm. You know, you can't always control your environment in the ways that you can do at home. But but for good travel, you know, being prepared is really helpful. Yeah. You know, and, you know, people always ask, what remedy do you take before you fly, as we were saying? But it's how much water do you drink? Yep. And putting, you know, we've got all these, depending on the length of the flight, the different things that we do. Sometimes they don't work, like having a big, heavy meal before getting on a flight to Europe is great because you fall asleep right on the plane, except if that flight <laughs> is on the now defunct WOW airline, which is delayed because of a big storm and you have to sleep on the floor of JFK. But Can um, I just recommend that a bottle of wine and mac and cheese <laughs> is not a great combination a great if your flight is delayed. But, um, but you heard it here first, folks. Water, you know, hydrating. Yeah. Um, bioplasma, I think, is just, um, it's such a, Man, mm. so good. And then when we get off the plane, you know, I like a hippie day. Yeah. You know, green juice. Um, when we go around the world, if if it's possible, and getting get, a massage. And get your, get your pineal gland out in, in the sun. Get out in the sun. Mm. Do a long walk. Get a lot of air. That really helps a lot. Mm. Mm. You know, and eating lots of green, like eating good food. I think getting back into the rhythm of the time that you've just landed in is is somehow the key. It's not always simple. Like we've had a big nap, haven't we? Yeah, mm. that was pretty amazing was today. One, yeah. But not yesterday. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, today we did a hike that was almost four hours. About three. Yeah, three it was and about change. two and a half hours too long. <laughs> I was fueled up, nice, uh, nice and ready to go, and then and then I ran out of steam. So manage the blood sugar is another thing with travel. <laughs> Always have a snack. All right. Um, Thanks for traveling with us. That's no problem. I, I want to say something, though, because we are, look, we're in New Zealand. 
And New Zealand has a long and noble history of homeopathy. It goes back to 1849 mm. when Purdy, uh, a Scottish... P-U-R-D-Y? P-U-R-D-I-E. I-E. Uh, he was the first and with another person, I think landed in Dunedin, and then ended up in Auckland and set up the New Zealand Homeopathic Society or started the first journal, I can't remember. Wow. Um, so fairly early days yeah. for homeopathy. And uh, and um, just a shout-out to the folks that um, keep it alive here. You know, there's a – it's it's a, a really um, – it's a dogged community. It's a it's a lively community, it's but it's cool. also, you know, it's been tough times here for a while. And uh, you know, just you know, you know who you are if you're listening. Um, um, we got to speak at the conference. What year was that? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. And it was was it seventeen or eighteen? No, I reckon seventeen. Seventeen. What an amazing group of people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Really. No, just, uh, you know how you talk about Minnesota women, the Minnesota women that kept homeopathy alive? Well, yeah, I mean, it was really the sort of Midwestern women. Yeah, Midwestern Not women. Not really, that's, that's kind of a different story. That's the profession, that's the, Yeah, but what, you know, what I was going to say is that homeopathy is, you know, dominated by very strong women here. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just uh, all of the work. It's, it's really impressive. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful place, too. Mm. Hope you hear the birds in the background. Yeah. Chirping away. All right. It is time for uh, some nutrition for you and I. Let's do it. And um, uh, and we'll see you soon. Take it easy. Bye. Bye.